I want to uh, open the scriptures with you uh, this morning, and I want to open uh, up in the book of Ephesians. Um, as Paul said this morning, I'm going to preach this morning, and then next week I'm in Penzance, um, and, and Paul's going to be preaching, and then on the 12th we've got Tri-Church Sunday, so we're going to be um, over that whole Kingdom Come weekend, we're, go- we're going to be... Uh, Inviting people to come to church and to try church, and I'll be sharing a message that morning, really just explaining in very simple but very clear terms the Christian faith. It'd be a great service to invite a guest to. We'll also be uh, doing a couple of performance songs that morning, and we'll be uh, just telling people about the church and about what we're about, but about what Jesus is about more than anything. And then after the 12th of June, I'll I'll take that break that Paul's talked about this morning and. Paul and David and, and a number of guest speakers as well over uh, ju- throughout June, July, August will be coming to the church. And uh, in August we'll be having morning services but no evening services. And then I'll, I'll be back in the saddle uh, in September. Uh, and we'll be starting in September a series on the book of Revelation. Uh, so we're going <laughs> to... Yeah. Which is why I'm taking a three-month break. When I've worked it out, I'll let you know. So we're going to do a series in the autumn on the book of Revelation in the mornings. It's going to be a really encouraging series on discipleship. It's a very comforting book, Revelation, whether you know it or not. And um, we're going to have a great time with that. But you've got some great ministry coming up in the next couple of months as well. Some, some great guest speakers coming as well, so it's, it's going to be good. I'll be around for the month of um, June, so I'll be in the services but not leading or preaching, and then in July and August I'll, I'll be away uh, doing a couple of other things as well uh, and uh, recharging. So. so let's dig into the scriptures this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read again this great prayer that Paul read at the start of our service. Uh, Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 21. It's a prayer by Paul for the Ephesians and and he prays this. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a great prayer that is. Um, It has been said that not many of us are are great prayers, but all of us can pray great prayers. And there are prayers in Scripture like this that help us to know how to pray, and we can use them and pray them. Paul is at prayer again. He's often 
praying. He's, as he writes to the churches, he's, he's writing, he's praying for all of the saints, all of these churches that he's planted ar- around the place. He's praying for them. And he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And prayer for Paul is like breathing. He just, he just goes into it so easily. And towards the end of this letter to the Ephesians, he writes in uh, chapter 6, verse 18, he, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So Paul says, as he writes to them and as he's praying himself, he says, pray on all occasions, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. He says, pray with all kinds of prayers, lots of different kinds of prayers. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And he says, always keep on praying And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So pray on all occasions, pray with all kinds of prayers, and always keep on praying. We can get so uptight about the right way to pray, but there are all kinds of prayers. There's early morning when you get up, and perhaps it's a more structured time where you open the Bible and you read it and you you have a time of prayer before God, before going to work, or you can, you can pray in that way. It can be fairly structured and fairly timed. You can commit your way to God. You can pray in the car as you're driving to work or as you're walking along. You can talk to God and he's there. You can pray as you're, as you're walking out and enjoying a walk with the dog. You can pray in bed at night as you're going off to sleep. You can pray in church. You can pray with other Christians. You can pray what are called breath prayers, where you just pray a quick prayer to God. If you're on the phone at work and you've got a difficult conversation or something's going on in college or at school, and you can just say, help me God, and you can talk to God at any time of day or night. But the main thing is that we are praying, that we are talking to God. That we are constantly talking to God. John Wimber um, was a a minister of the gospel. He's died now, but they would say about John Wimber that he would weave in and out of prayer. He'd be talking to you and all of a sudden he'd be including Jesus in the conversation. He would be just turning it to prayer and praying about whatever he'd just been talking about. It was so natural to him to talk to God in that way. And Paul says, I, in verse 16 here, says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Let me read that to you again because what I find about this prayer is it's absolutely packed full of stuff. Um, It's so dense, this prayer, it's hard sometimes to see through it. But he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's God's riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is praying for that inner being. He's praying for the spirit of God to strengthen them with his power in their inner being, their inner man. We can all see each other's outer man this morning, outer person, our external bodies. Society pays great attention to it, doesn't it? How we look, how we dress, and so on. I got told off last week when I came to church for being too scruffy. Several people commented, after my comments to the drummer, 
how scruffy I was. We'd pay attention to each other's appearance, how we look, the clothes we wear, um, and, and how we appear. But Paul isn't concerned with the externals. Paul is concerned with what's going on in the in, in, inside, in the inner man, the heart, the mind, the will, the emotions, our spirit. The same kind of conversation was had when Samuel was looking for the next king of uh, Israel and he was looking at this fine array of, of sons of, of Jesse and he was looking at what he thought would make a good king. And God said to Samuel, he said, you know, men look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I look at people's hearts. So what goes on here is vastly important. And look at Paul's externals as he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. Once again, he's, he's imprisoned. He's, he's most likely chained. He's got health problems. He cannot travel. His life is full of difficulty and challenge. His Christian life has often faced massive challenges. But what Paul is not praying for, at least in this instance, is the removal of external circumstances. What he's praying for is the provision of inner strength. He's not asking that everything is made right around and about in the challenging circumstances of their society or our society, but he is praying for the internal strength of the Spirit of God to be provided in their lives so that they can withstand whatever they have to face. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. I was ill recently, and I had a bad case of man flu. And when our bodies face sickness and illness, we have immune systems. We have blood cells that fight the intruder. We, the attackers, we've, and two different people can face the same sickness and have a very different outcome because of their constitution, because of their physical strength and well-being, because of their immune system. And Paul is not praying for their issues to go away. Paul is praying that God will boost their spiritual immune system, that he will strengthen them with all spiritual might so that they can withstand anything that comes against them out of his glorious riches, out of his mercy, the riches of his grace, the riches of his kindness and his love and his peace. This is nothing less than an impartation of the Spirit of God to make you an iron man or an iron woman on the inside. And God doesn't always, he doesn't always take the issue away that we face or the difficulties we find ourselves in, at least not in the way that we would like sometimes, but he promises us sufficient grace, sufficient strength, sufficient love, sufficient faith to stand in those moments. And so he prays, Paul goes on, he says, I'm praying for you that, that God will strengthen your spiritual immune system, that he'll strengthen you on the inside, that he'll make you strong by the power of his Holy Spirit. So that, in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. To dwell is to make home, is to take up permanent residence. And Paul has such an intimate relationship with Jesus that he, he says, it's, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Paul is, is so woven into his relationship 
with Jesus. That He says, it's not me now that's living, but it's Jesus Christ living in me. And he's praying for these Ephesians that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. So he's praying for them for great inner power, for great inner strength, and he's praying for them for close intimacy with Jesus, for an intimate relationship with, with Jesus. And he says this is by faith, it's not by feeling, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not about saying your prayers or ticking off your Bible reading. It's about being deeply in love and in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about having him at the very center of your life. It's about being strengthened by the Spirit's power, by being comforted by Christ's abiding presence in your life. And Paul says then in verse 17, and I pray for you that you that being rooted and established in love. There's two, two images here that Paul is using. One is of a tree and one is of a building of roots and of foundations. If you don't have the roots, you won't grow very tall. You won't be able to stand in the day of evil. If you're missing the foundations when the storms come, your life will be like a house built on sand. But Paul says, I pray for you that being rooted and established and founded in love, you will be able to grow up. You'll be able to stand. You'll be able to withstand the things that come against you. Roots and foundations. And the key element there is love. Being rooted and established in love. So Paul is saying, as Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, as his spirit fills us, as his love grows in us, it gives us the roots and the foundations that we need to stand in our relationship with God. And then he says in verse 18, he says, so that you may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let me read that again. That you may have power together with all of the saints to grasp, to understand how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Paul says this is for all the saints. It's for everyone. And Paul is praying for people to grasp, to grasp at a very deep level, to understand, to get, to know the love of Christ. He's praying for all of the dimensions. He's not praying for a 2D relationship with Jesus, not even 3D. He's praying for 4D. He's praying that we can experience the love of God, not in a head way, but in an experiential way. He said, I want you to know, to grasp together with all of the saints, I want you to know and understand and grasp the love of God, which is so wide and so high and so deep. And it's a love that surpasses knowledge. It's not just about knowing about the love of God. It's about experiencing the love of God deep within your life and your heart in an experiential 
way, in a way that your perception changes, in a way that you know that God loves you, that you are surrounded by God's love, that you experience God's love. A lot of people have a 2D picture of Jesus and his love, but God and Christ want us to have a deeper understanding and experience and a revelation of the love of God for us. And that's what Paul is praying. He's praying, I'm praying for you that you will grasp this, that this will change your life. We went seeing, Jenny and I went seeing Barry Humphreys this week. You know who Barry Humphreys is? Dame Edna Everidge, the comedian who played Dame Edna, Edna Everidge. We went to see him uh, do his show this week. And, and he was talking about his career and his life. He was talking about his depression and his alcoholism and, uh, and, and leading us through this, the, the whole kind of part of his career. And he said, one day I was, I was walking around London and, and he said, this feeling just came over me and I just stood there in the middle of London and the buses were passing me by and the taxis were driving past and I suddenly had to sit down on the curb and he said, for the first time in my life, I realized something. He said, I realized I was happy. And he said, this emotion just came over me and I realized after his difficult relationship with his parents and his, his difficult upbringing and his moving from Australia to England and everything that he'd been through, but he said, all of a sudden, I just realized, I grasped, I changed, something changed on the inside of me. And I think all of us need that realization of, that encounter with, that experience of the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ. To understand it, to grasp it in a way that changes us, in a way that stops us short, in a way that astounds us and amazes us. And and Paul is praying for nothing less here than, than that, that, that you will know the love of God in a way that goes beyond your brain, that goes beyond your thinking. Yeah, I know that God loves me. The Bible tells me God loves me. But I don't experience the love of God. I don't feel the love of God. I don't live in the reality of the love of God. The, the width of it and the depth of it and the height of it, it doesn't surround me or encompass me or astound me, or amaze me. But the old saints, Jonathan Edwards and others like him, spoke of these affections, these, this experience of the truth of the love of God. And Paul is praying for this. Not, not a 2D experience of the love of Jesus, or a 3D, but a 4D experience of the love of Jesus for our lives. To grasp it, to understand it, together with all of the saints. It's in the body that we learn to experience fully the love of God. It's in the body of Christ that we really encounter in its fullness the love of God. Karl Barth was a great theologian, a very uh, erudite man, uh, one of the greatest theologians ever to live. And as I've told you before, when he was asked by one of his students, what's the greatest theological truth that you have ever known or studied? He said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's the greatest truth I've ever encountered in my life, said Karl Barth. We used to sing when I was a child in Sunday school. We used to sing, the love of Jesus is so wonderful. The love of Jesus is so wonderful. It is so high, I can't get over it. It's so low, I can't get under it. It's so wide, I can't get round it. 
the love of Jesus Christ. I sang it as a child, and it's still true today. It's as true as it's ever been. And I think some of us need to realize it and experience it afresh. The love of Jesus is so wonderful. And God wants us to grasp it, to experience it afresh. Not from a place of drudgery, not from a place of must or should or ought to, but a place, a place of experiencing for ourselves a love that transcends understanding, that goes higher than we could ever think. It goes underneath, and underneath any, as low as you could sink, or as wide as you could run away from the presence of God. That's how wide and deep and high is the love of Christ. And Paul says, I pray that you would experience it together with all of the saints, that you would grasp it, this love that surpasses all knowledge. If I could say to you as simply as I can this morning, Jesus loves you. That is the truth. Jesus loves you individually, you. Not the person next to you, you. Jesus loves you very, very deeply. I read a book recently that just stated that fact, that Jesus is very affectionate about you. He's very fond of you. Sometimes we would say to someone, perhaps in our family, I love you, but sometimes I don't like you. <laughs> but I think Jesus likes you. <laughs> I think he's very fond of you. I think he's very affectionate towards you. I know he loves you. I think you're his favorite. We did a Q&A recently with the young adults, and, we, and one of them suspiciously and awkwardly asked us the question, who was our favorite child? And uh, I think you're his favorite. I think you're his favorite. I think he's very fond of you. I think there's nothing that you can do that can make him love you more. And I think there's nothing that you can do that will make him love you less. Nothing at all. Because he loves you. And it's who God is. But I think so many of us struggle to experience that or to live in the reality of it. But the Bible tells me and it tells you that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Trial, tribulation, persecution, famine, sword, economic distress, world wars, family problems, job difficulties, difficulties with your children, struggling with your parents, old age, health issues, depression, terminal illness. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Death, life, distance, place, wherever you live, whatever you're going through, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And the Bible also tells me that when I come to him, when you come to him, he will never cast you out or aside. He will never refuse you. He will never turn you away. He will always welcome you. The picture of the father and the prodigal son is one of the most powerful pictures in the Bible. It still moves me. The thought of a father waiting for a wayward son, running towards him, throwing off his garments, enveloping this dirty son who smells of pig muck, and just so full of love for him and says, put a robe on him and put sandals on him and put a ring on him and kill the fatted calf and we're going to have a party because my son who was gone, he's come back. 
is that the love of the father towards his wayward children. And Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will strengthen you and give you a stronger spiritual immune system. He will strengthen you with power by his Holy Spirit in your inner man. I'm not praying necessarily that your outer circumstances will change, but I'm praying that your inner strength will rise and I'm praying that God will strengthen you. And I'm, I'm praying that Christ will dwell in your heart through faith, that you'll know that he's there, that you are intimately in relationship with Jesus, that you know that it's not just you living, but it's Christ living through you and in you in faith, and I'm, I'm praying for you that you'll be able to grasp the love of God with all of the saints and how high it is and how low it is and how wide it is. I'm praying for you that you'll experience that in a way that's not just a head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge and it's a life lived where you all of a sudden will sit down and say, I just, I just know that God loves me and there's nothing I can do to make him love me less and there's nothing I can do no performance, no issue, no, nothing I can do to make him love me more. And Paul says, I'm praying that God will fill you. I'm praying that he will fill you to the measure of the fullness of God. How full is the fullness of God? What kind of a measure is that? When God fills us with the measure of his fullness. To be filled. And that's from God's glorious riches. What, what supply has God got that for you this morning? What supply has God got? Paul spoke the other week on, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Now Paul, as he writes that to the Philippians, he's got very little. He's tied up. He's got no, he's got no kind of resources. But he's expressing his gratitude to the Philippian believers because they have once again, they've sent money to him. They've, they've sent gifts to him. They, they've provided for him over and over through Epaphroditus and others. They've, they've supported his ministry. And he says in response, I got nothing for you. I can't, I can't give back in kind. I can't give to you as you've given to me financially. I can't do it. I don't have it. But he said, my God, <laughs> he will supply all of your needs according to his riches, which are in glory. He said, I've got a very big God and he's very rich. Now we are being told all of the time, we're being told um, that we have not enough, that we won't have enough, that there isn't enough, that, we're, that people are struggling, that we are struggling, that there's going to be lack. But we've got to, in the midst of all of that, we've got to have faith that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And if you're facing challenging circumstances this morning, God will supply all of your needs. All, that, that, all of your needs. <laughs> according to not the economic circumstances or the price of fuel or according to the government handouts, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his <coughs> riches in glory. How rich is God? Do you think he has enough for you? Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't, don't you think? Don't you know? Don't you see? Look at the flowers. Don't you see how the Lord, my Father, dresses those flowers, how beautiful they are? Can't you see how good he is with those 
creating those flies, or what about the birds of, of the air? Don't, don't they have enough to eat? Doesn't one of them fall to the ground and my father know about it? How much more will my father take care of you? So don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Because my father, he knows that you need these things. But if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things will be added to you. He'll take care of you. So Paul is praying and he's saying that God will fill you to the fullness of the measure of Christ. I have noticed in my life when God gets involved in his measures, his measures are so generous. They are pressed down. And he says, I'd like to get a little bit more in, so I'm going to shake it so I can add some more. And then I'm going to shake it because I want to get some more in. I'm going to shake it down until it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over is the measure of God's provision. And that's just the financial and the material, but God provides everything we need in every area of our lives. God is able to do all of these things and provide for us in every which way. He wants to fill us to the fullness of God, to the measure of God, to the measure of Christ, out of his glorious riches. There's always more we can experience, and I don't think we'll ever experience the fullness of God in all of its measure in this life as we're being transformed into the likeness of his son. But Paul ends this prayer as he's praying for these Ephesian believers. He prays for them and he says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul comes to the doxology He's been praying. He's on his knees. He's been bold in his request. He's asking for big things. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know and love that surpasses that love that surpasses noise, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And now he reminds the Ephesians and himself to who he is praying. He is praying to a God that can do more than we ask. I remember back in the day when we were growing the Alpha Course and running the Alpha Course, we sat in a meeting one day and we said, why don't we aim for a really big alpha course? Why don't we go for 80 people? Why don't, we, why don't we believe that we can invite and see 80 people doing an alpha course? And so we started to share that with you and we increased our invitation and we invited people and we ran a Chinese meal and as the numbers came in, it was, I thought, you know, I'll be amazed if we get 80 people. And then there were... 50, and then there were 60, and then there were 70, and then there were 80, and then there were 90, and then there was 100, and 110, 120, and 130. I can't remember where we ended. I think it, 140, 150, it was a crazy evening. God's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. We asked God when we started to sponsor people for compassion. We said, wouldn't it be great 
If we had 30 people in our church sponsoring children for compassion, and then it was 30, and then it was 60, and then it was 90, and then it was 110 people sponsoring children every month for compassion. God takes what we're asking sometimes, and he gives us immeasurably more than what we ask for. I've given again and again the illustration of the movie with Tom Hanks and his his third son in the road to perdition where they're gangsters. He's, he's raiding banks with his son. They're a couple of criminals. They're sitting at a bar and the son says to the father, Dad, could I have some of the money that we've stolen? He said, sure, son. How much, how much would you like? And the son sat for a while as he sits next to his father who they've stolen together thousands and thousands of dollars. But his son says, can I have $10? And his dad thinks for a while, he says, sure, you can have $10. And then his son sits for a while and he says, I could have asked for more, couldn't I? And he says, sure, you could have asked for more, son. God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask. And the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. Whatever you're asking God for, I suggest that you make bold requests audacious requests, big, hairy, audacious goals. Paul says God can do more than that, more than you ask for. Like the line of John Newton's hymn, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. You're coming to a king, You can ask for a lot. When people come to the Queen, we've got the Jubilee weekend next weekend. We're going to celebrate it with a picnic after the service. But the Queen, she's quite a powerful figure. She was, I heard a a joke that she told. She was in her privy council. People were sitting with the Queen of England and someone's phone goes off. You know, it happens in church all the time, people's phone go off. But you're sitting with the queen in the Privy Council, and the queen said to this man, she said, you'd better take that, it might be someone important. (laughs) (laughs) We are coming to the king of kings, and the king of queens, and the king of presidents. We're coming to the one who is the boss of all kings and queens. We're coming to the Lord of lords. We're coming to the creator of the universe. We're praying to the one who made us and knows us and understands how we tick and knows what we're going to ask for before we ask it. And actually, Jesus says he's your father and he knows all about your needs. So Paul says, I'm asking for some quite audacious things for you. I'm asking for faith in your hearts. I'm asking for an experience of the love of God. I'm asking for spiritual power and strength. But God's able to do more than that. That's not strong enough. He, he says not only can do God do more than we ask, he can do immeasurably more than we ask. Exceedingly abundantly is 
what the old of the version of the Bible says. I always think of Mr. Kipling's cakes, which are exceedingly tasty. He's able to do, what does immeasurable, immeasurably more mean? It means you can't measure it. It's immeasurable. It's off the scale. You can measure what God could do, but you can't measure it because it's immeasurably more than we ask is what God can do in your life. You can't measure it. It's immeasurable. It's off the scale. God is off the scale good. But that's still not enough for Paul. We're praying to one who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask. But then he says, God is able to do immeasurably more than you can imagine. Imagination is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Sometimes we verbalize things before God and other people that we think are quite bold. But beyond that, there are things that are only in our thoughts or imaginations, things we might not dare to verbalize. Sometimes it's a promise of God or a word or a thought. Could it be, might God just, I don't even say it. We try to work out the future. We try to help God work things out for us. We work through the various scenarios. You just can't imagine what God has got in store for you. You're too thick. You are literally too small-minded. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Paul says God can do immeasurably more than you ask, but he can do immeasurably more than you can even imagine. What insurmountable problem are you facing today? What is keeping you awake at night? What fills your heart with fear? It's time to get back on our knees and to remember the greatness of the one to whom you pray. Be bold and audacious in what you ask for. You can ask for power, inner strength, spiritual resistance, a strengthening of your spiritual immune system. You can ask that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith, that he'd raise the levels of faith in your life. You can ask for love, not just a head knowledge of love, but an experience of the love of God at a very deep and visceral level. You can ask for the fullness of God, the fullness of the measure of God. There may be other things that you want to ask God for this morning. But I think of disciples straining all night to catch fish. And they catch absolutely nothing. And they're frustrated. And they're tired. And they're fed up. And Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side. And they catch so many fish that their nets begin to tear and teem with fish. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. 
And as the disciples look at this sea below them that they have spent all night fishing in and caught absolutely nothing, all of a sudden their nets are absolutely overflowing with fish because Jesus has walked into the scene. Or I think of a hillside where there's lots of hungry people, about 5,000 of them and counting, and the people scrabble around and ask the question, what have we got that Jesus can use? And the answer comes back, we've got five loaves and two fish. And they look out at the 5,000 people and Jesus starts to work his miracle and he starts to feed the people. And there's so much food that they've got 12 baskets of leftovers because God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. And I don't know what situation you face or what insurmountable challenges are on your horizon. But I know that you come to a very powerful, mighty God who loves you so much and who will not let you go and not let you down. And the, and the emotion that I find in scriptures often in the New Testament around Jesus are expressed in the word amazed. And they were amazed. And they were amazed at what God did. They were amazed at what he did. They couldn't fathom it. They couldn't comprehend it. Because God did immeasurably more than they could ask or imagine. They were astounded. And like the old hymn says, we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. He's still active. He's still working. And this great prayer of Paul's is a great prayer that we can pray this morning for ourselves. Now I know that some of you are out of practice with prayer. And I know some of your prayer muscles are feeling quite flabby at the moment. I'm on a get fit kick at the, at the moment. So I've started running again. Now when I was on holiday in Yorkshire earlier, I ran 10 miles through the Yorkshire Dales and I felt really good on it, and I felt pretty fit. But then I, my fitness levels lapsed, and I started running again recently, and I could hardly run three miles. So what I did is I ran a bit, and then I walked a bit. And then I ran a bit, and then I walked a bit. And as I've done that, and done it two, two times a week, three times a week, and the mileage starts to go up, you can run a bit further, then you walk a bit less, and get up a few more hills, and you find that your fitness levels start to rise. And so it is with prayer. For some of us, it might be that we get up and we, we read a psalm, we write one page in our journal, we say a short prayer, but we start to pray again. We start to turn our eyes towards heaven that we've been singing about this morning. I'm encouraging you this morning, if, if you're out of practice with prayer, if you feel disconnected from God, if you feel your spiritual life is null and void, just make a start. And don't worry if you can't run very far. Just 
a short few verses of the Bible, just a few short prayers, just start talking together, open the communication channels again. And as you start to do that, and as you start to increase your faith and start to experience again the love of God, you'll start to see the answers to prayer flowing through. I'm encouraging you as we come into these next months to start flexing your prayer muscles again. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I'm going to ask the band to come up and join me if they would. I'm, I'm going to pray for you this morning. Do you want to stand if you're able to? You can close your eyes if it helps. You don't have to. I'm going to pray this prayer over you this morning. I'm going to pray it in faith. I'm going to pray it because I believe God hears it and I think he wants to answer it for you. It may be that you need some of these areas more than you need others, but I'm going to pray all of it for you, for you individually. So I'm praying for you this morning that out of God's glorious riches, think how how glorious they are, and how rich God is. That's the source this morning. That's your source. Is right there. Your source is not your boss. Your source is not your job. Your source is God. And he's very rich. So I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that for you this morning, that you would that you would grow in spiritual resilience, that you would grow in strength. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will run. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not faint. I pray for you that God will strengthen you with power by his Holy Spirit. On the inside, he'll give you spiritual strength this morning to face whatever you're facing. You may feel it or you may not feel it, but it's still going to be true for you in these coming days. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray for an intimacy of relationship with Jesus Christ for you. I pray for faith in your life and your heart. I pray that you'll have the abiding Christ in your life. And that you'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, it's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, I pray that you'll be so rooted and so established in love. You'll feel so solid in the knowledge of the love of Christ. I pray for you this morning, my dear friend. I pray that God will help you to grasp how much he loves you. I pray you open your eyes to see it. 
your ears to hear it, your heart to perceive it. I pray that you'd experience it in a deep way that you've never experienced it before. I pray you'd experience the love of God for yourself. And then you'd be able to say, Jesus loves me. I know it. I know it. It's true. And I pray that you would know that there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you more or less. And I pray that God will fill you to the measure of the fullness of God. And I also pray for you this morning that whatever you ask or even imagine, you don't dare to say the words because you think it's too audacious, but that God will do immeasurably off the scale more than what you can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And then as a result of all of this, I pray that he will get the glory, the glory in the church, that Jesus will be glorified in this church, that Jesus will be glorified in this church and in your life, and that we will give him the glory. I pray that we will have such experience of the goodness of God that we too would be amazed at the goodness and the glory and the power of God. And this is from generation to generation. It's throughout all generations and it's forever and it's forever. I pray this over you this morning. I pray it in the name of Jesus. And may it be so. And I say amen and amen. Amen. Let's sing. Let's worship God together.